Welcome to AM Best Audio. We are here today at this 18th Singapore International Reinsurance Conference. And joining me today are Greg Carter, Managing Director of Analytics for APAC and EMEA, Christy Lee, Senior Director and Head of Analytics for Northeast Asia, and Michael Dunkley, Director and Head of Analytics for Southeast Asia, Australia, and New Zealand. Welcome. Thank you. So let's begin with a question of the entire region. How would you say the pandemic has affected the reinsurance landscape in Asia Pacific? Well, let me start by talking about how the pandemic affected the reinsurance industry globally. And perhaps my colleagues can talk in a little more detail about Asia Pacific. Um, Generally speaking, I think the industry has fared well through the pandemic. I think initial estimates when we went through lockdowns and the resultant impacts on economies was that this was considered to be potentially a major event. And some of the numbers being talked about at the time were 100 billion US dollars of losses affecting the industry. And what we saw through 2020, 2021 was companies reserving quite conservatively for those kinds of losses. So the 2020 year-end results were influenced by that. What we saw through 2021 was actually the, the impacts for the industry were not as severe as initially feared. And through 2021, companies released some reserves relating to the pandemic losses. And I think there's a number of reasons why it turned out to be a less impactful experience than it could have been. But one of the major factors has been the way that government stepped in to support economies through that time. And the support packages generally softened the blow for, for many in the insurance industry. Christy? Yeah, I, I think um, in terms of the impact of like uh, business interruption, we don't see that being like materially impacting um, at least Northeast Asia um, market. Um, lower um, economic activities definitely help um, improving the uh, frequency um, of, for example, like motor accidents, um, travel, as well as like health insurance. Um, so overall, I think it's, a, it's positive to the insurance market. Um, and however, I think um, the market is still recovering um, from COVID impact. Um, the economic contraction, uh, potential uh, risk of recession mm-hmm. is something um, um, is a concern. Uh, however, being said that because um, Asia is still a growing market, we still see a lot of um, like um, uh, room for growth as as the uh, penetration of some line of business is still low. So uh, we see that uh, the, the the growth prospect is still very positive. What about you, Michael? Yeah, so, so similarly to what Christy was saying, um, for a lot of lines of business where claims activity is dominated by economic activity, so thinking about motor lines of business, also health, um, we saw some very strong underwriting results from insurance companies as a result of those slowdowns. So they saw effectively one-off super profits from from underwriting. Um, Those were in countries where there's little business interruption cover. Uh, By contrast, in Australia, we saw um, a lot of reserving. Uh, Insurers were uh, very concerned about uh, getting a a lot of business interruption claims. Um, A lot of those reserves are now being released uh, following uh, a series of of court judgments that have been favorable to insurers uh, in Australia. 
Um, that's on the liability side of the balance sheet. On the asset side, uh, during the pandemic, there's been significant volatility in terms of asset values. However, insurers are typically long-term holders of assets. Um, so generally that's you know, largely resolved itself as asset values have, have recovered. Um, coming out of the pandemic, I think the question is around uh, pricing, uh, return to economic activity, um, return to claims activity, and whether, whether insurers can uh, adapt pricing coming out of that. Um, and one last thing I would say is in terms of product, uh, product uptake, I think it's a lot of customers have become more aware of the need for medical cover, life, travel. Um, so I think that there's an opportunity to see more uptake of those kind of products. I see, indeed. Um, from a ratings perspective, Greg, where do you see the opportunities and challenges lie for the reinsurance industry? Uh, I think the, the big opportunity, is, as Michael has alluded to, is that, that post-COVID growth. Um, I think one of the potential risks, one of the downsides that, that impinges on that has been the rising interest rates that we've seen across many markets and the likely slowdown that's, that that's going to cause on economic activity. Uh, and clearly, if we do go into a position where it's a, generally a globally uh, recessionary environment, um, that generally has a negative impact on the market in terms of, of both growth opportunities, but also the, the loss experience. So I think I'd see that as probably the biggest challenge. What about you, Christy? Um, from a rating perspective, I see the market is still um, growing. And so um, about uh, supporting the economic growth and um especially identifying areas of protection gap and being able to offer those protections um, to support the economy um, is where the industry is going. Um, in terms of risk, um, I think from a rating perspective, this year is um, investment return is under pressure. Um, in, 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 um, for example, in China, uh, both bonds and equities performance are, um, are, are not as good as prior years, while historically um, the investment returns are, um, are a major for supporting the overall bottom line. So that makes um, insurers and reinsurers have to be very disciplined in underwriting, have to focus on you know, delivering the technical results in order to deliver the bottom line. Michael, do you have a view? Yeah, for, for Southeast Asian markets, I think over the medium term, there's strong growth potential in insurance markets. That comes, first of all, from the potential for stronger economic growth as compared to developed markets. Um, to some extent, it's from uh, uh, an effect of, uh, of uh, friendshoring. So I think to some extent, uh, Southeast Asian markets can benefit from um, Western companies that want to uh, engage less with China and may uh, move outsourcing to, for instance, Vietnam, Malaysia, etc. Led on top of that, uh, I think there's a significant protection gap in Southeast Asian markets, which means there's, there's, there's the potential for the insurance market to grow ahead of, of the economy. So the potential for, for, for strong growth in insurance markets. Um, I think a further opportunity um, is... Uh, for, for reinsurers, certainly, um, is strengthening um, capital regulation. So we see uh, a number of markets that don't yet have risk-based capital regimes starting to introduce them. So I'm thinking Vietnam, Labuan, 
um, other markets that have risk-based capital regimes, such as uh, Malaysia and New Zealand, that are strengthening them. Um, and this, you know, from our point of view as a rating agency, we think that's an opportunity for companies to uh, improve their understanding of capital, their, their risk management capability. Um, and for reinsurers, it's the uh, opportunity to um, help companies uh, offload risk where they need to provide reinsurance support, better manage their capital bases. Um, in terms of some challenges, um, I think um, one is, uh, is protectionism. So um, for reinsurers operating in Southeast Asia, um, uh, a number of jurisdictions in Southeast Asia have either preferential session or mandatory session to local reinsurance companies, and that can be a challenge for international reinsurers operating in the, in the region. Um, and I think the second you know, big challenge um, is, is climate risk, right? So uh, Southeast Asia has some of the most climate-exposed countries in the world. Um, addition, you know, in addition to that, um, you know, population centers tend to be highly exposed, assets tend to be highly exposed to climate risk, and with more insurance penetration, that's a phenomenon that's going to increase, right? Um, second of all, uh, you know, there is the issue of climate change. Uh, we've had um, flooding in Malaysia, where previously areas that were not considered flood-prone uh, have been affected. We've seen uh, a record cat year in Australia due to flooding in eastern Australia. Um, and the concern is that um, existing cat models may be, may be inadequate um, or may not reflect the real risk for insurers and reinsurers. I see. Well, as we wrap up the year 2022, for each of you, what do you see or what do you think, what stands out to you as the single biggest issue for the year? And perhaps if we were to look forward into 2023, what would your outlook be? Perhaps, Christy, you'd like to start? Sure. Um I think Greg has mentioned about like inflation and increasing interest rate. Um, and certainly that's a very uh, hot topic in the global reinsurance sector. And I just want to highlight that um, in the reinsurance world, um, for markets that I cover in Northeast Asia, actually reinsurance cannot be seen in isolation. Um, it's not just about how the local economy is doing, but it's also, you know, capacity provided by, by, uh, foreign reinsurers. So when foreign insurers or global reinsurers, um, uh, have to, uh, be more careful on how they deploy capital. Um, actually, that certain have some implications. Certainly, have some implications um, to the capacity offering um, to Asia market as well. Um, being said that, what I see it will be a very tough renewal in the upcoming one one renewal um, to meet the supply and demand expectations. Uh, especially for China and Japan, these two major economy, um, they're doing something different. The government decided to keep the interest rate low to support the economy. So the reinsurance buyers do not feel the same thing, do not feel the same issues that the global reinsurers are struggling with in terms of rising interest rate. Um, so uh, it, it will be a difficult task to explain why there is um, reinsurance capacity shortage as well as why the rate has to be priced more adequately um, to, to meet the two sides, supply and demand. What about you, Greg? I think the issue of capacity in the market will be very much in focus come the year end. Um, we've seen rising prices now for uh, several years 
And there seems to be an increased focus on on how much capacity will be available. Um, it does appear from discussions with market participants that there is there is still plenty of capacity around, but it is demanding a suitable return on the capital that's employed. And that's going to put um, the, the year-end renewal discussions very much in the focus. And I think that's going to be a, a key factor going into 2023. How about you, Michael? Yeah, for, for me, it's it's interest rates. I, I think there's a, a really interesting story there. We've been talking about lower for longer interest rates for years now, and then suddenly we've seen quite a severe uptick, uptick in terms of interest rates uh, that insurers have to, have to cope with. So, you know, there's a number of effects there. First of all, you know, severe asset depreciation, uh, particularly on longer term bonds, that's reduced insurers' capital and therefore their their capacity in the short term. Um, over the medium term, as insurers rotate their fixed income portfolios, we'll see a rise in in the yields they're achieving. So that will flow through into operating performance. Um, and I think the last thing is, I think it'll be interesting to see the effect that it has on pricing for, for liability business, um, if insurers think that higher interest rates could be sustained. Well, thank you, gentlemen, and Christy for joining us today. I am Daunted for AM Best TV. Looking to get the full attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms that will do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day. Find out more by calling AM Best Advertising Sales at 908-439-2200, extension 5399, and have a great day.